That's right, folks. All aboard the USS Ferry. The Big Blue 82 podcast has just set sail. You're listening to the official podcast for the 1982 Farragut High School Admirals of Knoxville, Tennessee. The largest class and winner of the school's first two state championships. So what have these Admirals ports of call been? Listen now and find out. I'm the class president and host, Vic Moore. And here we go. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the inaugural broadcast of the Big Blue 82 podcast. Today on the show, we've got Jeff Morgan. Hey, how you doing? It's good to hear your voice, Vic, and I'm excited to be here today. It's good to reconnect with old friends. Oh, yeah. And I'm glad you're able to to actually be interviewed. Yesterday, we had some scheduling conflicts, but don't we all in our older age have a lot, a lot going on that takes our time? maybe some children or, or whatever, or um, trying to be retired really hard. So what's your latest status, Jeff? What are, what's going on with you now? Well, I recently retired early, and that's a long story, Vic. I was sort of forced into that. Yeah. I don't know if you want me to go through the details of that, but uh, what I'm doing right now is I'm working as a consultant. You know, I was in business for, gosh, since high school, and I work with a gentleman named Dr. Danny Brazell, and this is in my retirement, so it's no stress, but Danny's our international ambassador for reading for the USA, and it's basically developed to not only help kids to read, it's an interactive online process that's become very topical because of the uh, current situation in education, and we just closed the countries of like Israel and you name it, Greenland and and all sorts of different countries as well applying to this program because it not only helps kids read, but it teaches them how to love to read again. Because anybody can teach you how to read, but what reading can actually do for you uh, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, even in your job. And so uh, that's been kind of fun to do with out the stress of having to be an employee for anyone. And my whole day now is spent, Vic, just connecting my 4,000 connections on LinkedIn up to each other. And then I just step out of the way. And then my other job is I mow grass and watch dogs and train dogs. (laughs) So that's a good multitasking position there to have. A little variety. Teaching children to read. What a fundamental process and how they can get their start in life. Because... When you don't know the language or the words, you're kind of lost and you know limited. So that is a great, great service that you developed over the years, Jeff. That's my hats off to you. Thank you. It uh, it actually provides teachers, school districts, parents involvement. It's multicultural and language based, and uh, it's interactive. So it's very different from anything that you're going to see in the school systems now. Danny's just a good guy. You know, his whole thing is to help over a million kids to start to learn to read and enjoy reading yeah. uh, this this year alone. And he's already well on the track. Um, and so it's pretty interesting program because even I can do it, Vic. And, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. So uh, it's really useful, but it's great for parents and it doesn't take a lot of time during their day. So uh, that's uh, very important uh, well, because most parents are both are working yeah. just to make ends meet anymore. Well, that's an honorable task to come up with a way to help families get the basics, you know, the reading skills for the kids. Because 
I, I think back to first grade when they had the fun with Dick and Jane. Well, I think that was the movie though with Jim Carrey. Uh, it was Dick, Dick and Jane and Spot? You know the the books that we read. And I was I think six years old in first grade trying to understand reading. And then I don't think phonics had yet been developed back then. Do, when did that come on board as a teaching reading tool? The phonics thing? Gosh, that was somewhere in the seventies, I believe. Might have been just before it began. This was 71 or 70 when I started trying to learn how to read. Um, but we just did the old-fashioned way. Learn the letters and then learn what each one does when they put, put them together and the sounds and all that. And the schwa sound, the schwa. Remember that funny word? Well, and I, I like Danny's program. And I, I do this as a consultant, and but I'm retired. I mean, I'm not, I don't get paid to do this. This is what I enjoy doing and was able to use my 35 years of business contacts uh, because many businesses will actually support schools. Well, here's a realistic way of doing it. This, and it, it comes through their business as one, you know, vertical in that Vic. And then it works for upper education. He's working with colleges. So it's not just the basics, even it goes beyond. And he even works with com- uh, companies like NASA organizations that, you know, are looking for ways of developing leadership and communication. Because as we know, we can all have great ideas, but unless we can express them appropriately, it's very difficult to move things forward. And even in organizations, Danny's been in prisons, helping them uh, in their reform program, teaching inmates, not just how to complete their education, but how to move forward and, and some of those aspects. And so it, he's, a, he's just, Danny's a great guy. Mm-hmm. I would tell the story of how I know Danny, but I'm not so sure he'd want me to. It's kind of funny, but. Well, yeah, I want to, I want to get to that. But you said something earlier just a minute ago about your 35 years of business contacts are now being used for this endeavor. So why don't we delve into the past just a bit? 35 okay. years ago, I and mean, that's close to graduation time, of all your contacts, when you first got out of high school, I know that our listeners probably want to know this, what was the first direction you took when you got your credits and your diploma and you gave you know gave them the marble on stage? What, what was your next thought in life? What am I going to do now? Did you immediately do something more educational? Did you get into the business community? How did you begin your 35 years of contacts? I began my journey really of trying to figure out what it is I wanted to do. I had a lot of skills already developed even at that age because I had been working since I was 12. Um, I remember, that's when I, they remember to- I, I had to interrupt you. I remember you were really good in the theater trade. Didn't you do some community theater? I know you did a lot of plays in high school. I did a lot in college and, and in the community as well. But you know what I liked about it wasn't so much the acting, and I, I, I enjoyed that thoroughly. It was a great outlet. Uh, I was in sports. I was sort of a renaissance guy. I did a lot of different things, Vic. Um, but what I enjoyed was the ability to communicate and how important that was. My major in college was a speech communications major for organizational structures and communications, literally how language creates reality, especially in the workplace. Uh, but when I started out right out of high school, the first thing I did, because I had no money, my father was terminally ill and there were a lot of challenges during that time, but I went to work out at his plant. He was a controller at an electronics company. And so he wanted to show me why I wanted to go to college. So I was working on the production line, building capacitors 
for electronic components and his office was right behind me as the company controller and he literally was watching my back um, every day working on the production line and learning and after a summer or two of doing that he looks me in the eye and he said because I was working the swing shift and all that and worked myself to death he goes uh, so do you want to go to college now I was like yes sir I do <laughs> uh, because I could see what college could offer me in terms of uh, using what I enjoyed which is communication Mm-hmm. Um, into something that uh, could become a lifelong endeavor. Well, that's something we have in common. I, that when I first got out of high school, I, I did the communications field uh, entry as well. I, I tried to use some broadcasting skills I developed during the boogie check, ooh-ah years as a, in, in school, you might remember, uh, and, and try to take that and, and, and do something with it. But my story is to be held later. Let's get back on what you're talking about here. Now, Jeff, I remember correctly that when we were in high school, we formed a little spirit group called the Quads, and your character was Mad Matt Morgan, and there's a terrible, terrible story of how we were going to leave you in the dust because you were going to be too studious on us and actually get homework done, and we're like, ah, forget about homework. We got a pep rally to do. So I want to apologize to you publicly that me and Doug and uh, Carl, <laughs> we kind of said, okay, forget you, you know, you're not going to practice with us. And that, that's bothered me for years. So I want to officially welcome you back here publicly to the quads as, a, a, you know, the, one of the original members. It was the, one of the endearing uh, memories of my life. I, I love being part of the quads. I remember a song, which I won't mention one of the songs that we did, that uh, might be shocking today. Uh, Does it have to do but, with animals? Yes, it has a okay, lot to do well, with animals. You can say that title because it's actually on the Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, we'll kill the animals. Oh, 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 kill the animals. Yeah, I know. It's so yeah. silly. I think that was that was a brainchild from Doug, Doug Floyd. That we're was gonna, Doug, yeah. We're gonna get Pastor his Floyd. Yeah, yeah. Big Daddy was his nickname as the quant. We're going to get him on the interview later on and on the podcast. He's Boy, he's got a story to tell or two or three. All right, so great. Yeah, that, those are good times. So let's. I want to do this too. I want to kind of back up. When you first started talking about what you're doing now with the reading initiative, tell us: um, is there a website that, like the the classmates, can go to and kind of peek in and see what it is physically up to? A URL. I just had a new website put together. Um, the thing of it is, Vic, I try and slide out of the way in mm-hmm. terms of this, but let me let me see if I can pull that up. Okay. And can you still hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can still hear you. And um, and we're doing this on Zoom. Everybody listening in, if you're interested in being a, a guest, and while he pulls that up, I'll take a little minute here for a commercial for the podcast. Coming up, I want everyone, every graduate, all 654 of us who want to be interviewed, uh, and it is audio only. There is no video here. I want you to have the opportunity to do that. And uh, Troy Goodell was going to be our first inaugural. He had some conflicts with home. And don't we all get busy, like I said earlier. So we're going to get him eventually back on here. Um, but I do thank Jeff that he's he's ready to go. And they have some other people lined up as well. So this podcast is for our class. This is about what we're doing, what we're up to. And it's going to be on Podomatic.com. Of course, you probably know that if you're listening. And then they springboard to other platforms like Spotify and Apple and all the other ones, Amazon. But Let's see. Let's check back in with Jeff now. Are you able to pull up some kind of a, a URL that we can kind of look in and eavesdrop in on what your current endeavor is up to now, Jeff? 
Yes, actually, um, it is um, TennesseeReed.com. Okay. I'm going to go there right now on my other computer uh, and see what it looks like. And it, it just gives a brief introduction into Danny's program. What I'm doing is um, enjoying the time with my family more than anything else. You know, Vic, my job as a regional director for years, you know, more years than I want to admit was, you know, I was six days out of seven flying or driving someplace and spent a lot of time providing for my family. Now I get to do something that I've enjoyed, a culmination of everything that I developed over all those years and, and do it because I want to be doing it. And I think that's important for people as they're starting their careers is you may find or do a lot of things that you think you're wanting to do, but when you finally find your passion, it no longer becomes work and um, it just becomes a great opportunity for you to give back to others. Um, I had a very unique experience this last two years, it changed a lot in my life, but I found that the important things are always there. The things that sort of anchor you into life and, until you find your passion, uh, makes it pretty difficult. Oh yeah, absolutely. When, what was the old saying? If you love your job, that's worth another thirty k a year alone, right there. Um, yeah. When you think about yes. it, I pulled up the website here, Jeff TennesseeReed.com. I had a difficult time trying to spell Tennessee, as I always do. All it's like Mississippi and Tennessee, the torture words. You know them, you memorize them, but you can't never type them out right. So here we are, TennesseeReed.com, and I just want the listeners to understand that when I pulled it up, the heading says Tennessee Reads with an S on the end, but that is the right website. Um, and I went down here because I saw Danny's name. I scrolled down a bit after the uh, the ways that you can join up for the program. It looks really cool. There's a lot to offer here, um, and this is really a valuable service. You know, fundamental in life at all is learning how to read. As you go into some of these you know, entering to these, you will see it's not Danny telling you how great everything is school after school, parent after parent. Mm -hmm. These are things that work. They fit into people's schedules. Like right now, my, my youngest who is almost graduating high school, he'll spend eight hours in front of a computer each day doing school. Yeah. And Danny's program can be used in so many different ways and in so many different languages. Eng English second language is very important in our society, mm -hmm. and um, it accesses that. But it's it's even good for the parents and adults. It's mm -hmm. I've never run into anything. I've known Danny for about ten years now, and I've never run in, into anything like that before. I, I worked in education. Uh, for a while and saw the problems teachers had, this is a tool, you know, that literally gives them control over what's going on and it's real time and parents involvement is the key to anything when you're talking about educating your kids. Oh yeah, absolutely. And sometimes teachers have a difficult time in the classroom with some unruly kids. Uh, I think back to the story th mentioned Doug again. We were at Miss Longworth's English class one day, and we had difficulty with her. She had difficulty with us. And I, I said, look, there's a roll of tape on her desk. Let's tape her chair to her desk. And we did. And we used about the whole roll of tape. 
and you know, poor Miss Longworth, she's just trying to keep order in the class. Well, she walks in and sees this, and immediately, Doug, Vic, out in the hall. <laughs> well, you know, um, our teachers in school were very um, intuitive and responsive in that they they recognized our personalities. You know, I, I you know, I can't tell you how much those teachers made impacts on me. Um, as the years have gone on, I mean, Herky Payne, uh, as my coach, one of my coaches yeah. with, uh, you know, Dr. Mr. Hukert, yeah. uh, Ginger Riley, all these people, yeah. uh, that we worked with. Um, uh-huh. I loved school and maybe uh-huh. that was why I enjoyed, you know, leaving school at that time. But I took a lot of that with me as time went on. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I love school too. I mean, it was, I, I cried at graduation. Like I wanted another four years, you know, <laughs> like the presidency, yeah. you know, please give me four more right here. But you know, you got to move on. And you talk about some good teachers. We, I, I talked to Mr. Dagley often. He was one of the senior vice principals under uh, Mr. Bellamy. And he, yeah, he Mr. told Dagley. remember Bob Dagley, he pulled me aside one day. He oh, said, yeah. you know, he said, you know, Vic, if there wasn't, and this is 1982, he said, if there wasn't just, you know, but a handful of kids in here who were just kind of troubling, we wouldn't need any discipline. And we darn sure didn't have a police department yet. <laughs> well, when mom dropped me off at school, I loved my mom and dad. Of course, you know, they used a style of discipline that was interesting. They actually did everything they said. They didn't tell me everything I did was great every time I did something. They literally told me every time I did something great, that was great. And when I didn't do something so great, they go, that's not so great. Because, I mean, they, you had to learn to trust them. You know, I think a lot of kids come up now thinking all they ever hear is everything is incredible that they've ever done. Then real life faces them and the challenges and they're unprepared for that. But I can remember when mom took me to Farragut and basically dropped me off, even in Farragut Middle School and Farragut Primary, to the, uh, you know, the teachers and said, okay, he's yours now. If he gets in trouble here, let us know and we'll double it when he gets home. (laughs) So I never really got in any trouble in school. Even when I did, nobody was angry, you know. And the reason they did that was I fully accepted the responsibility I mean, I remember all of us, especially in the quads, you know, because we were sort of a fun-loving group, is uh, if we got in trouble, we just kind of laughed and and, and uh, took whatever the punishment was because we did it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, I've been wronged, you right. know. Yeah. It was, oh, yeah, I did it and I got caught, uh, uh, you know. Yeah. So after a while, you learn that uh, as a parent or a teacher and these people that make an impact, they're just people of their word. If you do that, this is what's going to happen. Right, right. Good or bad. If you do this, this is what will happen well for you, you know. and uh-huh. Yeah, positive reinforcement <laughs> goes a long, longer way than the negative reinforcement. And it's, sure. it's so easy to just wallop somebody on the hand or the rear end, you know. How easy is that? But you got to be creative in your parenting and your teachering, or was it tutorialing? Uh, instructing when you have to come up with ideas to reward and say attaboy and good job and and get the person to do more of that behavior it takes more effort it does and uh, but in the same token taking responsibility for your actions you know whenever we misbehaved
and I deserved every single one of them. So I was never mad at my mom and dad, you know, responsibility for your actions and teaching kids that responsibility, you know, their willingness to be very truthful with me and not just tell me everything I did was glowing. Uh, when that they when it was time to praise me, I got lots of praise. When it was time to discipline me, I got disciplined. And I learned to respect that in life. I mean, that was a, an incredible life lesson because I think so many times now you, you overdote uh, on just everything your child does is the most incredible thing and not teaching them to strive. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad's famous saying, Vic, was um, you don't have – to be your best you just have to do your best oh, that's a good otherwise idea. i don't care you know and and I, I i'll share something funny real quick with you and so when we were really young my we when we would get a spanking and we didn't, never had more than maybe four or five in our entire lives um my mom uh, had a willow bush and our punishment was to go pick your willow switch right mm-hmm. um yeah and uh for your spanking and uh we became very creative as kids very quickly because what we learned is if you picked a small switch you got an extra lick and so the last spanking i had and i only had two with the willow bush was the next time i came back with a 12 foot switch (laughs) and my mom just started laughing so hard she goes i can't okay that punishment's done (laughs) you know there's no point in doing that anymore because that you know that was gone and uh, so i really uh appreciated my mom and dad for what they were able to give us as kids, because those are the anchors we still hold, you know, life got complicated for a while and then it got simple in my twenties, Vic, I knew everything Uh, in my thirties. I was sure I knew everything (laughs) in my forties. I began to think about it. And in my fifties, I realized I only knew two things. And one of them was, I didn't know everything. Hmm. And, um, so it's, you know, as parents and teachers and those, it's, it's important what we're feeding into the kids around us um, about real life and relationships, mm-hmm. not just uh, not just flowers and, and sunshine. And that's incredibly important. We, I believe in being positive all the time, but we also understand that life isn't always like that. We can't change our circumstance, but we can change the way that we react to it. Right. That's the key there. And that is an emotional uh, tool that people can use often in life. It's your response to whatever is around you. And the the, the response doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right or best one. It's how you handle the stress. And you you are not the event. You're not the person yelling at you or or the, the terrible thing that happened. That's not really you. But it's how you handle it, you know. That's one thing I yeah. learned really well when I entered the world of helping people with emotional difficulties is to have that emotional uh, maturity to look at a crisis and not get caught up in it and, and deep breathe, step away in your mind, look at the big picture here and maintain your cool, and then you're able to handle it better. So it's all about the reaction. It is. I remember my mom, you know my mom did with the willow switch? We had a weeping villa tree, yeah, not far from our house. And if we came back with a switch that she didn't really think was beefy enough, she said, okay, now I'm going to go choose one. So that happened one time. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, I, I learned a lot. Dad was from off the farm. Um, 
down in Sweetwater and Saudi Daisy. They had about 700 acres down there, and it was a cattle and chicken farm. He was in the military and worked in special documents in the military, served in the Army, was to the day he died, he couldn't actually tell us his real function in the Army because he was in top secret secret clearance. But he, Dad's just a, a great guy, worked for, you know, the um, uh, Lions Club, was one of their charter members out of the Farragut area and uh, raised money for all sorts of programs. Uh, Dad became, you know, ill for a long time Vic, before he passed away. Mm-hmm. And mom was the youngest of 13 kids out of Jellicoe, Tennessee. Uh, her father was a deputy preacher, a Baptist, I mean, a deputy sheriff, a Baptist preacher, and a coal miner all at the same time. Wow. They never had running water. She rode the coal trucks across the mountain to go to high school and got a scholarship. She was valedictorian of her high school, got a scholarship, uh, a gymnastic scholarship at UT, and that's where she met my dad. Uh, he was opening doors at Miller's downtown <laughs> and going to college. And, um, you know, they were the first out of their families to do that. Wow. Um, and mom's whole thing was when we were three little boys, we're out there playing in the mountains. You can't just let your kids run off anymore. Uh, but we would be gone for 10, 12 hours. There's nothing but rattlesnakes, and, you know, scorpions in the coal mines and these uh, abandoned mines. And her whole thing is if you, if you fall down and break a leg, uh, if you just lay there, you're going to die. You need to get up mm. and uh, find your way home because somebody may not find you. And, and then she jokingly would say, and if you really can't get up and move, just set the woods on fire and the forestry department will come find you. <laughs> and uh, I love that approach to life is just, guys, we don't give up. Yeah, We continue to try, but sometimes we need help. And uh, because we're meant to live in community and learning to treat each other in that way, um, I just can't believe the nuggets of truth that are stuck in my head. Then I hear my kids talking. Of course, they're 20 and 17 now. uh, And I hear my mom and dad's voice coming out of their mouth. And it's amazing what we pass along, you know, in the narrative of our life. Uh, The story is very important. Yeah, it is. Yeah, your your parents were just really cool. Great diversity there yeah. of resources to gain from. That's awesome. Um, I well, would love to. It takes a while them. to realize that when you're growing up yourself, and then you really, especially when you become a parent, you go, "Yeah, I get it now." Oh yeah, <laughs> really, definitely. I get it. I, I I skipped parenting and went to grandparenting for a while. I had five grandkids, so I I really didn't get a chance to slowly evolve into this process. Um, but then that changed, of course. That's another family story. But um, all right, well, great. Now look, I want to keep this podcast not too long. They say most adults' attention spans around a forty-five minute mark, uh, and we're almost to that point. We're we're about thirty or so in. So I want to cover some more stuff, Jeff, with your life. Um, and maybe I can kind of give you an outline of questions here that what would the listener or graduate listeners really want to know? And, and one thing I want to know about people's lives through the years, and we're coming up on 40 years since graduation, maybe talk about, uh, and you've mentioned a couple of these already, some highlighted times in this time where you may have learned the most thing in life 
and how you were able to cope with that. And it could have been a tragedy or some really good thing that happened. But what's something monumental? I mean, let me ask the question this way. What's a monumental thing that's happened in the last 40 years that you really think has shaped you and guided you to where you are now? Oh, my gosh, Vic. There's been so many things. Of course, um, meeting my wife, Vicky was 180 degrees from any girl I'd ever dated. You know, I dated the princess most of my life that had to put him on a pedestal. And Vicky, uh, I found a person who was truly watched my back. I mean, we've, we've got each other's back. You know, we've had tough times after 35 years together. And, but the commitment to, we never had to worry that someone was watching out for us. And then having kids was incredibly monumental. It changed a focus of my career and my time. I would say the loss of both of my parents early created a situation where uh, I was standing alone for a long time, Vic. But the things that they taught me were there. I would say probably the biggest thing recently, because we continue to have those events in our lives all the time, is about a year and a half ago, I ended up, I've been ill for about seven years and the most incredible pain that you've ever seen. Uh, doctors could do nothing to um, alleviate it. And I wouldn't take painkillers and things like that. I didn't believe in taking heavy drugs. So I just learned to deal with it. Uh, but it got so bad, I ended up in Mayo Hospital uh, with every nerve in my body had died. Um, it was a rare uh, condition with my diabetes, which was type 2. But instead of destroying my peripheral nerves, it destroyed my internal nerves to all my organs, my brain. My heart was less than 15%. I was at Mayo for months on a feeding tube. Uh, they said I would never make it home alive. And then three days before I literally got up and walked out of the hospital under my own power, I kind of shook my head and said, we're where? To me, Vic, that was God's story, not my own. Uh, my wife said I was witnessing and coherent the entire time, telling people just because I'm dying doesn't mean God isn't good. He just said he'll be there with you. And that faith has been something that has uh, faith in something for people is important. And um, the doctors were amazed, couldn't believe it. Over this last, I had to leave work, so I'm, I, I was forced into retirement early, although since I've been working so long, it, it wasn't as scary as you think. There's more to do when you're retired than there is when you're working. Uh, it's just of a different nature. Yeah. Uh, but it, it changed my life, Vic, in that um, those things that my mom told me about we don't lay down, if we just lay down, we die, came true. Oh, yeah. And I think that's the big thing that I would share with people is all these events happen in your life, but those core truths are still there and impact you in that way. It opened our lives up to so many other things. So that's why I, I had a great career. I was, you know, one of the tops in my field. I made incredible relationships with people you wouldn't even imagine. It all became very simple as life continued on. But when those things hit you is what, what 
what do you have in your life other than just your work, even if it's your passion, or just your family, or just if you put all those things in just one tiny little basket, when the basket tips, you're in a lot of trouble. And so this is a great time for your graduates coming out to be able to explore life, to try new things. Don't feel like you're constantly pigeonholed into the future you thought because it can be very different. Right. And um, we just, we, we travel. Oh gosh, I would encourage any young person graduating and going into college, spend a little time going and seeing the world a little bit bigger than just where you live. You don't have to see the whole planet, but it's nice to get a, a feeling for what's happening in different parts of the country. We spent a lot of time, my wife and I, hiking and traveling across the country and loved it. What was uh, one place that you went to as a couple that really meant something to you or you had a good experience there? We took off and uh, when we were first married in this little uh, station wagon, we packed everything we owned, took off and headed to... Uh, the Grand Canyon uh, from Knoxville, drove the whole way, camped out along the way. We camped out in the desert in a blizzard, which was funny and enjoyable. But seeing the Grand Canyon and traveling across the country, we had as much fun just traveling as we did stopping at all the states. And our big push was these roadside bathrooms, you know, and in Texas, they were oil riggers. They were designed like an oil rigger. In Oklahoma, it was designed like, you know, this. In New Mexico, it was designed like an adobe. So we did a, a, a <laughs> picture. Uh, of course, we didn't have videos very much at the time, except a giant video camera. But pictures of, uh, you know, each of these little stops along the way at every state. And it became really comical. <laughs> and then um, that was at a time, Vic, too, when, you know, the, the adobes uh, out in parts of Arizona uh, had no roof on them. So you're using the bathroom sitting out in the uh, oh, wow. in the open air, uh, watching the sunshine come down. <laughs> and uh, that was before GPS and cell phones. So we were using a map, and I found out that um, I always know where northeast, south, and west is. I've somehow picked that up, a lodestone in my brain or something. And my wife can follow a map better than anybody you've ever met. So between the two of us, we could go anywhere. And uh, we had the best time. We, we, you know, you stop by and you see the, the world's largest lint ball <laughs> or ball of yarn and, and all the fun sights that you would see. Mm -hmm. And it was getting to meet the people along the way. We hiked in the canyon and um, it's 80 degrees, but there's three feet of snow. And what you realize is the canyon is actually you have to go up 5,000 feet in elevation to climb down into the canyon. Oh, yeah. And so we, we just thought it was the best time uh, being young and married to uh, just enjoy life and enjoy being together. That's great. Awesome. I, when you were telling the story of seeing all the different stop-offs, I, I just immediately thought of the Chevy Chase movies, uh, the vacation yeah, movies. It was definitely <laughs> a... Uh, <laughs> Uh, summer vacation movie. Yeah. <laughs> we replaced half the car on the way down there. Oh, wow. By the time we got to Arizona and down in that area, that's where her grandparents had a little summer place they would go to in the winter uh, or a warm place to go because mm -hmm. uh, they were, you know, from up north. 
and uh, his little retirement park down there. We went with him, Vic, uh, with all the different retirees from on their bus because we were totally broke at this time. We had $20 and a full tank of gas to get back across the country because we had spent everything we owned replacing axles on the car and you name it and uh, still laughing and having a good time. But we were a little worried. They took us out to an Indian reservation to go to play bingo with all the retirees in their retiree park. It's the first time I can remember praying to God, God, if you'll just let me win 20 more dollars, um, I'll make it home and uh, I'll never leave again. And uh, we did not, uh, but we we made it. It was, it was amazing. Uh, but the fun with those little retirees was incredible. They were having such a blast. And they were up partying all night long. We fell asleep by like 11 o'clock because we were exhausted. Vicky's dad or grandfather used to always say, you can't soar with the eagles in the morning if you're hooting with the owls at night. <laughs> and that, that has stuck in my head for all these years. That reminds me of Elvis once said um, uh, on concert uh, tour right on the stage. He was like, you know, um, uh, I think of this song, you know, Grandma, uh, you're get out of the stables you're too old to be horsing around you know <laughs> i've heard that so we yeah i mean when we get our age some people might say in the younger generation you know those that are born with an ipad you know between their legs um they might say that we're old over the hill old fogies but you know i really don't feel old jeff i mean do you i mean what's that if you don't feel old you really aren't and what's that saying 50s the new 40 Talk to that. What do you think about that? I mean, here it is coming up on 2022, 40 years after the fact of graduation. Are we still kicking? I mean, I know you just told a story where you felt down and out there and your mom kind of came to the rescue with your thinking and, you know, pull yourself together and, 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 and don't just lie there. You did something about it. You sought treatment. You sought help. But isn't that what we do now as older people? We use that wisdom to make life better. Well, that's it. You know, uh, life is still here. I mean, why is it today any different than it was? You know, everybody's going through all the crazy stuff that they see in the world right now. And we, we've gotten the wisdom and experience of going, well, that's not the first time, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it's been repackaged and re, um, designed and throwing at young people now because they're trying to affect young people that generation more than they're trying to affect us because you can't change us or fool us into believing history happened a different way because we are history. We lived it. And so I love pulling the old man card because I'm still incredibly active. Uh, and the activity is what kept me alive and going. I, you know, um, I'm just as happy to live life today as I was. I mean, I don't look back at my, you know, my teens and go, Oh, I wish I was a teenager again. I love being my age mm -hmm. and, and going, we still go out and we go horseback riding or we go hiking and camping. We do all the things that we enjoy. We've just learned to enjoy what we do even more. And I think it's important that people find those things in their life that are those outlets. That's what I was saying. We don't just bury ourselves in our jobs. There's a time and place for that. But if you do that alone and you don't have your life, which is this isn't, you know, some people look out and say uh, we had a terrible couple of years. I look up and say those are the best years we've ever had. You know why? We survived it all. 
and we came through it stronger. And you learn those things that trust in, in what's real in life and all the distraction that comes at you. And so I just tell people, whatever you're doing now that you enjoy, you can do for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 I, I encourage it uh, because this is the life that we have that we're given. You know, my personal beliefs and my, you know, and my faith in God gives me uh, something else to look forward to. But that doesn't mean I don't look forward to each day today. And we just take each day a little more calmly as it comes. You know, when the house catches on fire, we go, oh, that was terrible. (laughs) But we know we're not going to, nothing's, that's just things, right, that come in in and out of our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that we took the wisdom that we learned is important so that we can deal with the stresses of life of, well, if all you do is look for the terrible, that's all you're going to find. Right, right. Glass and, half full, uh, empty thing, you know. Yeah. I just think, uh, you know, I'm as physical now as I did, was in my 20s. It may take a little bit longer, but, uh, you know, I can outdo any of my kids, and they're giant athlete kids, and I can still outdo them because I got my man strength on me now, not, you know, <laughs> which is different, which I, means my I will I can do anything my mind tells me I can do. It, I just have to pay for it later. I, I've got man boobs. Does that count? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't have that. In, well, actually, I did have that in 82. All right. So let's go back. I'm going to do like a round rob. I'm going to mention 10 things here. I'm going to give you 10 words or phrases. And I want you to think back to 1982. How would you have answered them then? Okay. So, for example, I'm going to say something like favorite movie. And you got to think all the way back. What was a good movie I liked back in 82? All right. And I'm going to also ask you things like... Uh, Star Wars. Okay, there you go. That was easy to do. Um, all right, so here we go. We got that one out of the way. Now, favorite hangout back then. Where, where did you go to hang out, like, after school? Gaddy's Pizza. Mr. Gaddy's. Oh, At downtown yeah. West Boulevard. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. I remember that really well. Uh, what about your favorite teacher or teachers, if you had a couple? I like Miss Gerhardt as my science teacher. Uh, I liked um, George Hugert as my English teacher and theater teacher. And um, I liked Herky Payne, which was one of my uh, home ec, believe it or not, teachers, but also my one of my football coaches. Oh, yeah. They had to do like double duty there. Because I, I, oh, yeah. I had Coach Rigdon, uh, Coach Rigdon for driver's education, and I would imitate right. him all the time. I'd imitate him. He got so fed up one day. He's like, more out in the hall. He takes me down to the football office and pulls out this huge paddle with holes drilled in it. Yeah. Now, I'm like 17 years old. Are we really going to do this? Oh, oh, hell, really? Yeah. And he wallops me about four times. Didn't say a word. Walks back up to class. And he just basically said, don't ever, you know, do that again. Because it made him feel less than, you know, the whole class is laughing. So it took a while to get me through that. Okay, now back on you now. Okay, so favorite place to eat. You mentioned Mr. Gaddy's as a hangout spot. What about another restaurant, an eatery? Oh, well, this was in Fountain City, okay. believe it or not. So I had to crawl a long time, but that's where my mom and dad's first house was. Love going to Litton's. Oh, yeah. Best burger ever. Yeah, they're, they're still around. Thunder Road. They are the silly. Thunder Road Burger. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That didn't have pimento cheese on it. Yeah. Oh yeah, awesome. Not it was good. a Fat Man's Burger. It was great. Full of fat. Full of fat. Can put uh, the fat mo to shame. You know. 
All right, now, what about your favorite television show? Not movie, TV show series type thing. Bionic Man. Oh, yeah, Steve Austin. Um, Awesome. Okay, now think of music. This is going to be a hard one because we had a lot of great music in the early 80s. My goodness. What's a good good, uh, group or song that might stick out? Phil Collins in the air tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right, then in, back to school again. What is your favorite subject that you like to study and maybe one that you wish was not on the agenda? Favorite was English and science. I loved science. Okay. One that was not on the agenda, I I didn't. I can't pick one, Vic. I loved every subject. <laughs> you loved them all. That's good. Thirst yeah, for knowledge. I know that's, I know that's sad, but I, I just enjoyed it. Well, look, what, you, was look, like what you're doing, look what you're doing now, Jeff. You're helping educate children, and when you read, you read about it all, right? Okay, there you go. Um, okay, let me see. There's one more here we haven't covered. Okay, what would have been your motto back then? Something you would have uh, you could have monikered on your shirt or hat. This is the me of 82. You only fail if you quit. Great lesson. Failure. Yeah, failure is not about winning or losing. Mm-hmm. It's about the effort. Awesome, awesome. That is great. And I like the way it kind of fishtails back into what you talked about earlier. And we're going to wrap up this edition with Jeff Morgan from the class of 82. Um, and, you know, this our class, Jeff, we were, and I'm still looking at this today. I'm trying to get this in my head and make sure the statistic is correct the largest senior class that Farragut had ever had. And now I'm looking out, branching out further to see if we're the biggest one that Tennessee has ever had. And I'm coming to the conclusion I think we were on that, but more details later. And also, we were the first class to bring uh, state championships to our school. You know, the the school started in 1904. Nothing happened until we showed up and we got softball and baseball. We knocked that out of the park, right? Um, Yeah, and Coach Ken Sparks was a big part of that. Oh, yeah. Great story there. Yeah. And he moves on to Carson Newman and had a wonderful career there helping people. Yeah, he sure was. All right. Well, awesome. Look, we're going to wrap this thing up. Um, Today's guest in the podcast has been Jeff Morgan, your class of 82 graduate from back in the day, guys, 40 years ago. But when we listen to this podcast, it's going to be around for a while. So this was recorded um, along about April-ish of 2021. Uh, for those who keep in score. And this is Jeff Morgan, what he's done with his life in the last uh, 40 years. And I want to thank you, Jeff, for being on the program today in the podcast. Can't wait until the reunion coming up, This uh, the big 40 coming up next year. And any parting words for our listeners? You know, uh, the parting words I would give you is life is an adventure. It's not a destination. It's the journey that's incredible. Uh, and it does not stop at whatever age that you are. I grab hold of it, experience, and hold dear to your friends. And those relationships um, don't get so busy with the minutia in life that uh, ties you down, and, uh, robs you of the joy that we have. You know, don't look at the world and find all the problems with it unless you're willing to have a solution. Love it. Love it. And we're going to end there. Thank you again, Jeff, for being a guest on the Big Blue 82 podcast. And thank you for tuning in today. Be listening again for another classmate right here on your favorite podcast, hopefully, the Big Blue 82. Thanks, Jeff. 
Next time on the Big Blue 82 Podcast, we're going to talk to Debbie Chow. Here's some highlights. The computer becomes not a rarity, but a part of our life, and now it's part of our hip pocket. You got to see all that, Debbie, right there. You're on the front row seat of that. Yeah, definitely. I've watched these companies, you know, grow. Uh, Google is definitely a big company here. In fact, the company I work for, Silicon Graphics, Google bought the buildings that we were in. And I will say Silicon Graphics now is the division I work for is now purchased by HP. It's definitely very exciting here in Silicon Valley seeing all these companies emerge and how successful they've been. Apple, Google, Facebook. That's next time on the Big Blue 82 podcast, Miss Debbie Chow. Also, if you're interested in being recorded be on the podcast, contact me, the host, Vic, at FHSBigBlue1982 at gmail.com. Once again, FHSBigBlue1982 at gmail.com. We'll see you next time on the Big Blue. Have a great day.